This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Support for today's show comes from Google Play. Did you know that you can now download and listen to audiobooks on Google Play? That's right. With hands-free listening using Google Assistant or Chromecast, you can enjoy thousands of titles a la carte. No subscription necessary. There's even a multi-device integration across the Google ecosystem. And for a limited time, you can get $10 off your first book by visiting g.co slash play slash all the books. That's g.co slash play slash all the books. Find your story with audiobooks on Google Play. to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 172, and today we are talking about books being released on August 21st, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Maria Christina Garcia Lynch, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. MC! Hi! (laughs) Hello! Long time, first time. (laughs) I'm so excited you're here! I know. It's it's my all the books debut. It's, it's so thrilling. Exciting. It's very thrilling. It's like a bucket list thing I can check off now. Now I'm going to have to go learn a new language or something. It's, talking to me sometimes can be like learning a new language. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything you want? Would you mind telling listeners a little something about yourself? Like what you do at Book Riot, your social security number, you know, um, something like that? Sure. Date of birth, mother's maiden name. Um <laughs> I am an assistant editor at Book Riot, started working over there doing the comics beat, and uh, and now I do lots of random stuff, Um, and I have two cats and two humans, uh, (laughs) a husband and a toddler. And I read books, and I will talk to you about them. That's perfect. Yay. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> I get to bother you now with all the stuff that I used to pester Amanda about. It's like, it like rolls down to you now. I'm, I'm more than happy to be on your speed dial. <laughs> so, uh, before we get started, I want to remind listeners that we are still doing the recommended giveaway where you can get 16 of the awesome books that were both mentioned by the author guests and written by the author guests, including Florida by Lauren Groff. A Reaper at the Gates by Saba Tahir. Uh, there's an Ember in the Ashes, Ashes by Saba Tahir as well. American Marriage, which Obama just put on his list this week. That's pretty cool. Yeah, as if Oprah's recommendation wasn't good enough for yeah, you. Like, like he has to go and steal her thunder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and if you have never listened to our recommended podcast, podcast it's really great it features interesting people from the book world talking about their favorite books so you can go to bookriot.com slash recommended three to enter the contest ends august 31st and good luck to you so that's cool and you know what else is cool the read harder journal Ooh, this is a brand new thing. It's it's technically not even brand new because it doesn't exist yet. It's going to be released in September, but we're going to tell you about it now so you can get excited about it. It is the Read Harder Book Log 
put together by us and Abrams, and it's this reading log, and it consists of entry pages to record your reading stats, impressions of the books you're reading, and reviews of the books that you read, and evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015. I don't know if we have any listeners who were doing it right from the beginning, but it was designed to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. And we've been doing it every year since then. And it's really a great tool to expand your reading horizons. So you can do tasks like read a book about books or read a book written by an immigrant or a book published by an indie press and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quote and an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding in your reading life. And in case you don't know where to start, you've also got five book recommendations that would fulfill each of those challenges. It's a great gift for readers. It's a great thing to buy for yourself. And there's no other reading tracker that that champions this activist approach to reading in quite this way. So it's this wonderful flexi-bound journal with two-color illustrations throughout and an elastic closure, a ribbon marker to hold your page. This thing is swanky. So you can go ahead and pre-order the Read Harder Journal on Amazon and you will get it in September when it is published. Woohoo! Yeah, you can also order it uh, from indie bookstores, I believe, and you can check it out at bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. Yay! I'm excited. Like, I know that a lot of readers are like me. Like, even though we like our digital, you know, spreadsheets and all that stuff, there's nothing like writing stuff down in a journal when you're, when it comes to reading and talking about books, like keeping a list, keeping as many lists as possible, really, just keeping it going. And, you know, I, I don't know any readers who don't also have a collection of notebooks and <laughs> writing supplies. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we should talk about books. Uh, you know, since... uh, okay, fine. All right. I'm going to go ahead and start. My first book today is The Black God's Drums by P. Jelly Clark. And his name is spelled P, like the letter P, and then it's D-G-E-L-I, Clark, P. Jelly Clark. It's a tour.com novella, one of those lovely little gems. They just, they just churn them out, and they're all so fabulous. I love them so much. So because it's so small, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Um, it's an alternate history. It uh, takes place after the Civil War. It's sort of like a steampunky New Orleans, which is really cool. I really got into this like world and the setting. It's about a girl named Creeper. She's 13. She lives on the streets. She, her father died when she was very young. Her mother died of fever a few years before. She, so she's 13. She's very like Maddie Ross from True Grit. She's very smart. Not just street smart, but smart smart. She's very resourceful and she's very fearless. She was actually born during a storm. Her mother gave birth to her in a tree during a giant storm. And what people don't know about uh, Creeper is that she has the goddess of wind and storms, Oya in her head, who speaks to her, 
as she goes along, tells her things, has hidden motives, and Ooh. but it's like a secret that she has to herself. So one day she's in her hiding space where she lives in the city, and she hears some Confederate soldiers uh, talking about the Black God's drums, which is basically like the equivalent of a nuclear weapon. It's like this really terrible, awful thing that can cause a lot of destruction, and they are going to meet with a Haitian scientist who's going to help them, you know, use this for nefarious purposes. And so she decides, Creeper, to go visit a brothel that she knows of in town. She knows that the captain, Captain Anne-Marie, of the airship Midnight Robber, uh, often frequents this brothel because she used to be her mother's lover. And she goes to the brothel and she finds the captain and she tells her, I will give you this information that I have about the Black God's drums if you take me aboard your ship. Like, I, I'm tired of being here and I want to be on the airship and, you know, start a new life. Um, and so she gets her place on the ship and the, they go on this mission to stop the weapon from being used. Um, it's very, very cool. The setting reminded me a lot of Sarah Gailey's hippo books, like the the South and it's hot and it's cool, but like instead of, you know, man-eating hippos, we have giant airships and, and gods okay. speaking in people's heads. It's really, really fun. So again, it is called The Black God's Drums and it's by P. Jelly Clark. All right. Um, my first pick today is Sanpaku by Kate Gavino. And it is a graphic novel that is a coming-of-age story about a Filipina girl named Marceline living in the U.S. and grappling with identity. And, and that means cultural identity, religious identity, and, and also just the kind of growing up stuff that everyone deals with to some extent and I love the art here it's all black and white and every illustration in this this pretty linear story of a time in Marceline's life is set against a hand-drawn pattern that resembles origami paper and that's that's another thing that's really impressive about this graphic novel it's all hand-drawn not at all digital and uh, I, I read in an interview somewhere, Kate Gavino saying that drawing these, these patterns, which, which are different on every single page, they don't repeat, was a really meditative experience for her. And, and you, can, you can really see that, that they draw you in. And something that I super appreciated about this book is, is like right from the beginning, she's talking about how her grandmother was obsessed with this idea called sanpaku, which is when you can see the whites of somebody's eyes, like underneath their their irises, and how that's indicative of it. It, it foretells pain and suffering in a person's life, but there are certain ways that you can ward it off, and and Marceline kind of accepts this and embraces it and really intensely believes in this as a way to to protect herself from the things in her life that are new and different and scary and I was drawn in immediately because she's Filipina and she calls her grandmother Lola and I'm Filipina and I called my grandmother Lola and I can't remember 
seeing that in a book before. So, so that was just really exciting for me because I was just like, I, I know this world, this, this, I know this really intensely Catholic and superstitious world. I know um, this, this kind of Asian grocery store that she frequents pretty often in this graphic novel. I really identified with a lot of it and it was, it was so nice to, to have that representation for me that is really rare. Um, but even if you're not Filipina, I think you'll get a huge, huge kick out of this story and the, the, the art is fantastic. So that is Sanpaku by Kate Gavino. Now, I, were you lucky enough to have her draw your picture at Book Riot Live? She was at one of the events. No, I didn't. Oh, I was. It's one of my prized ah, possessions. Ah, she's gotta, so great. That's that's really fantastic. No, I remember there being like a really long line, and I I yes. was like busy doing <laughs> other stuff, and I'm like, I'll come back later, and then yeah, later never happened. Oh, well, it's it's so awesome. She's so great. I can't wait to read this. I'm so, I was so jealous when I saw that you got to read it first. Uh-huh. I was like, oh. <laughs> so. Would you please tell us about another one of our sponsors today? Yeah. Another sponsor we've got today is Imposter's Lure by New York Times bestselling author and master of suspense, Carla Neggers. This comes to you from Mira Books, and it follows FBI agents and newlyweds Emma Sharp and Colin Donovan as they investigate the mysterious disappearance of a federal prosecutor named Tamara McDermott. As the search for Tamara intensifies, a seemingly unrelated murder leads Emma and Colin deep into a maze of misdirection, organized orchestrated by a clever, lethal criminal who stays one step ahead of them at every turn. As Emma draws on her expertise in art crimes and Colin on his experience as a deep cover agent, they both rely on the help of family, friends, and their FBI colleagues to see the investigation through to its thrilling conclusion. It is full of clever twists that will keep you guessing. Carla Negger's Imposter's Lure is a mystery you won't want to miss. Check out Imposter's Lure, available today through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. Fantastic. I have no segue from that for my, <laughs> for my next book. Uh, my next pick is The Stars Now Unclaimed by Drew Williams. I have two words for you. Space opera. Ooh, two great sold, words that taste great together. <laughs> Yay. So once upon a time in this galaxy, uh, there was something called the pulse. It was exactly what it sounds like. It was a pulse of energy and light and destruction, and it destroyed the life on some planets in the galaxy. It left some of those planets untouched. It sent lots of them back to the Dark Ages. Um, in the beginning, there's a planet that the um, main character lands on and sort of gone back to pioneer times. And how and why the pulse happened and who is responsible for it is not for me to tell you. Like, you can learn that in the book. Um, that would be a spoiler. But it happens. And now we have Jane Kamali. She is an agent with an organization called Justified. 
she goes around to different planets, uh, checking out the damage, learning about the planets, and recruiting brilliant young minds to help the organization justified uh, to keep the pulse from happening again. They don't want everyone to be sent back to the Dark Ages again. They don't, you know, it's destructive, it's terrible. Uh, trying to thwart Jane and her colleagues is a group of religious fanatics called Jacks. They are trying to stop Justified from keeping the pulse from happening again because their planet happened to remain untouched when it happened the first time, and they think it makes them some kind of super beings. They want to be rulers of the galaxy. Uh, they think if it happens again, it'll remain untouched again, so they're in charge, is basically what they feel. So they're, you know, chasing Jane through space. There's space battles. It's an action-packed adventure. It's of Jane and her ragtag group of comrades, including a robot and a sentient ship and a telekinetic child. So it's so much fun. They're working together to stop the pulse. It's strange because there's another book coming out really soon called Pulse, which is also about a weird magnetic thing. I guess it's like the, the pulses are the zombies of 2018. I don't know. I it's the so. new thing in books. But it's just really fun. It's great world building. Eugene has this mysterious past that you get to find out about as the book unfolds. Uh, we learn about the different planets in the galaxy, the different races and their politics. It's all very interesting. Like I said, the world building is really specific and great. Um, I really enjoyed the robot and the ship's AI. Uh, and it's sort of like Firefly meets a long way to a small, angry planet. Like, can't Ooh. get any nerdier. Um, aside from some lots of cursing, there it would probably be a great crossover YA for teens who are interested in science fiction or military science fiction or just cool space battles. And this is the first book in the Universe After series, but it's kind of one of those things where like it sort of wraps up, but it hints at the fact that there's going to be more. So, again, it's called The Stars Now Unclaimed, and it's by Drew Williams. Pew, pew, pew! <laughs> Yay! Um, all right, my next pick... Uh, okay, my next pick is Tragedy Plus Time, a tragicomic memoir by Adam Caden Holland. Uh, that's Caden... Without an L, he says something in the book about how everyone wants to say Clayton, but it's Caden hyphen Holland. And this does come with a trigger warning for suicide. It's a grief memoir, and Caden Holland's little sister dies by suicide. And he describes being the one to discover her after the fact, so be aware of that before you just jump into this book. Um, and it, it's called Tragedy Plus Time, uh, which, you know, refers to that Mark Twain quote that humor equals tragedy plus time. It's, it's that whole idea about, you know, when terrible stuff happens, you say, one day we'll laugh about this. And Caden Holland is a comedy writer, and his comedy is, is a little bit dark and edgy and black humor type style, so... It's it's nothing too unexpected from him, but also he deals with the story of this this tragedy in his family in a way that 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 is very gentle and respectful and not at all grotesque. One of the things that I loved about this book is it it paints such a vivid 
touching picture of his sister while she was alive. And it, it seems like it's, it's really more of a memorial to the person that she was and the role that she played in shaping him as a comedy writer. And the pacing is, is really excellent. You, you know almost from the beginning that he is on this amazing career trajectory and almost simultaneously this thing is happening to his family. He's in Hollywood taking all of these meetings and doing his best to pitch this show that he's created with his fellow comedy writers. Meanwhile, in the back of his head, he's he's still kind of living in that place where nine days ago he he discovered his his little sister having died by suicide and it's it's intense and it's it's the very first thing that that you read in the book this this really strange juxtaposition of him writing this career high even though he's just had this this majorly terrible thing happen in his life and from there it jumps back and forth between his childhood growing up in Denver and his adult life finding himself with this career in comedy. And it's so, it's so touching and beautiful. And it's, it feels really strange to say that y'all should go out and read this book about this guy with a dead sister, but it gives you a lot of insight into who he is as as a stand-up, as a comedy writer, and as an actor, but it also gives you so much insight into his sister and the way that she suffered and fought with this thing. And I think that that is, that is an inside look that so many people might benefit from, whether they are dealing with this themselves or with a loved one it's it's just a very tender tender book and yeah that's tragedy plus time a tragic comic memoir by adam caden holland i had no idea where the the title came from i have a copy of it but i hadn't read it yet because i knew you were reading it so i thought i'd, I'd hold <laughs> off but yeah, it's a great yeah, way to it's, say it's that it mark twain I really, quote i really like yeah, it humor is tragedy plus time um i have no segue again we're all over the place today. It's great, though. All kinds of different <laughs> things. My next pick is called Whiskey When We're Dry by John Larison. And I mentioned Maddie Ross, the, the character, the lead character from True Grit, when I was talking about the Black God's drums. Again, she kind of works in this setting. There's a young girl main character in this book as well. Um, this was so, so in my wheelhouse. I'm a huge post-Civil War Western Fan. You know, Deadwood is my favorite TV show. I just love reading about the Civil War and the Wild West after um, this book stars. Stars, like she's on a show. Uh, <laughs> Jessalyn Harney. She goes by Jess. She's a 17-year-old. She is living alone on her family's farm. Her father has just died. Her mother is, is no longer with them. Uh, her brother is off. He is an outlaw. He no longer is in the area. And so she's home by herself. She's starving. It's very unsafe for her as a young woman in the Wild West, living alone. 
Um, she is a fantastic sharpshooter, which, you know, can benefit her, but it only gets her so far, you know, being alone with not a lot around to, to eat. So she cuts off her hair and disguises herself as a young man and goes out into the mountains to find her brother Noah. Um, and then, like I said, her brother is an outlaw. He's hiding. And she ends up involved with a violent gang who is also searching for her brother Noah. It's led by a creepy guy named the Governor. And she, they are looking to bring Noah in dead or alive. And it's sort of like, what is going to happen when they find him? And now Jess, Jess is a total badass, really. She work, But, like, she works really hard and struggles for everything that she has. It's not just, like, she's magically talented and all this stuff works in her way. You know, it's like, this is the Wild West and she is a young woman. So, you know, she really has to work hard and, you know, bad stuff happens. Um, it's just full of complex, flawed characters. You know, I can't help but think that, like, the governor is sort of reminiscent of The Judge, if you've read, you know, Blood Marine oh. by Cormac McCarthy. It's yeah. sort of like the same kind of thing. The Judge, I think, is like the most complicated, horrible, wonderful character in all of literature. Um, the governor is not quite as good as The Judge, but it's, you know, he's he's pretty awesome himself. Um, and it's just all about, you know, questions of good and evil. And the writing is fantastic. It does move slowly at times. But the story is so compelling, and Jess herself is so wonderful. Um, and the story is, you know, both brutal and beautiful. It just keeps you going. She's probably one of the best characters of the year. She's just so great. And while I'm talking about westerns and this time period, I, I want to give another shout-out. I believe I talked about it on the show, but I feel like it just deserves so much more love. Um, I want to give another shout-out to The Witch Way Tree by Elizabeth Crook, which is another western with fantastic young people main characters. I just love that book. So if you like westerns, there's another one. And this one, like I said, it's awesome. And it's called Whiskey When We're Dry. And it's by John Larison. And that brings me to socks. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Support for today's show also comes from Bombas, the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. After two years of research and development, Bombas has re-engineered socks with innovations to make them way more comfortable. They have a honeycomb arch support system, which provides extra support where you need it most. They have stay-up technology that ensures your stock socks stay in place but never leave a mark. And they have super soft cotton material that keep you warm in the winter but cool in the summer. I can definitely say that they keep you cool in the summer, like we've talked about on the show before. I got a pair, I got a few pairs uh, a couple months ago, and I've been wearing them now almost every day. Not the same pair. I, I do wash them. Um, but <laughs> they definitely keep your feet cool. I can't wait to find out, like, how they work in the winter. But it's, I just can't believe how comfortable these socks are. I remember um, you talking about them on the yeah. podcast and saying that you don't usually like things on your feet. And I was I like, don't. hard same. I do not like things yeah. on my feet. But, but I, they're, they're so soft. And the stay-up technology is like this little ridge, this like little tiny ridge in the back that I don't yeah. even know how it works. It's magic, but it, it keeps your socks on. Um, oh, because I hate like when I'm walking around and I just have to stop to hike my socks off. Yeah. Like, what's that about? Well, I mean, to be to be fair, I wear like the barely there ones because, I, okay. again, I don't like things on my feet, you know, so um, I don't have them like, like, I don't pull them way up, but they're pretty great. And... 
Socks are the most requested item in homeless shelters, and Bombas donates one pair of socks for every pair they sell. They've donated over 7 million pairs so far. Nice. So they have all these different colors. They're really pretty. Um, I My boyfriend's niece was so jealous that I got some. She, <laughs> I, I didn't know about them. Apparently they were on Shark Tank, and she was all excited. Uh, they're just, they're, like, so comfortable and, like I said, cool. And I do look forward to finding out, like, you know, how they work in the winter. Um, but Yeah, it's, it's not impressive that you're on a podcast or anything. It's it's really impressive <laughs> that you get these socks. socks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, if you want to try out these fabulous little pillows for your feet, you can get 20% off your first order you can go to bombas.com slash all the books and use the code all the books. There's a shocker. Uh, and that's B O M B A S dot com slash all the books and use the code all the books and you get 20% off your first order and you too can have comfortable things on your feet. Yay! Um, okay, and I have no segue. <laughs> <laughs> My segue is I have no segue, um, but I do have another book to talk to you about, and that book is Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear by Kim Brooks, and this is another nonfiction. It's like this sociology memoir mashup, and she had an essay in the New York Times a few weeks ago that you might have seen that was adapted from this book, and I'm almost afraid to discuss this title because it's about parenting and that can be a deeply divisive topic. But my kid is three and this is one of the truest books I have ever read. So a few years ago, Brooks, a Chicago writer, left her kid in the car on a mild March day in a safe suburban neighborhood near her parents' house in Virginia while she ran into Target to get him something. She was gone a few minutes, everything was fine, but unbeknownst to her, a stranger had recorded the whole thing on her phone, or his phone, she has no idea about the identity of the stranger even now, and turned that footage over to police, and a warrant was issued for Brooks's arrest. And that event was the catalyst for Brooks to explore the state of American parenthood and how we came to be so irrationally fearful, not just about leaving children unsupervised, but just about everything surrounding child rearing in general. And like, I, I totally get that because I remember so many shopping trips where I'd be like, hey, can I stay in the car and read this book? And my mom would be like, yeah, just like crank the window and, and I'd stretch out across the seats and just read until she came back. Um, or times when I would just hop on my bike and be gone the whole day and I didn't have a cell phone my mom could call me on to see where I was or like, it was just like, okay, be, be back before it gets dark. And, and I would get into all sorts of trouble, but I was growing up and I was learning stuff and becoming self-reliant and nothing terrible ever really happened to me and it's partly because 
things are generally safe. Today, we've got so much mass media that that just constantly shows you all the terrible things happening, and it leads to this false belief that things are so much worse now or so much more dangerous, but they really aren't. And statistically speaking, it was way more dangerous for Brooks to be driving in the car with her kid than it was to leave him in that car. And even though I had so much freedom growing up, I, I know that I, I, it's so hard for me to take my eye off of my own kid. And it's not even so much that I'm afraid of her being snatched by strangers. Like I, I am aware of the statistical improbability of that happening. Uh, but, but I am afraid of other parents judging me and, and just morally disapproving of, of my choice to, to not intervene if she's getting into some sort of conflict on the playground, you know? And, and so many parents are there trying to mediate these encounters their kids have with other kids. And I, I really want to just stand back and let her learn how to work this out. But I, I feel so much pressure just from other parents to to be this this helicopter that I don't I don't want to be and I don't think is good for me anxiety wise and I don't think is good for my kid anxiety wise either. So Brooks explores all of these sociological forces that have led to this moment right now in American parenting where we are so scared to take our eyes off of our children. And it's not some kind of self-righteous, oh my God, I, I never should have have been colored by the law at all kind of a thing. She acknowledges that this is the way that the world works and it way more negatively affects people who don't look like her or don't have the resources that she has where she was able to hire her own lawyer. Um, so it's very self-aware in that sense, too, that this, this idea that children can't be unsupervised disproportionately punishes the people who can't afford high-quality childcare all the time. Um, and there's a lot of really great conversations that she has with researchers and other parents about how, how misguided and irrational this thing is and how it also disproportionately affects moms. People are way more forgiving when they see a dad leave a child for a second to go and get something um, because like, oh, you know, they're just being a dad. But if, if you don't devote 100% of yourself to your child, then you're a bad mom. Uh, so, so this was a really, really great informative read for me and it gave me so much to think about and I I don't know yet if it's going to translate to any any relaxation on my part when I'm around other parents like at the playground but I hope other people read it and it moves the needle a little bit towards letting our kids experience just the, the slightest bit of danger cuz I think that, that that's really that's really better for everybody than just raising children in this cloud of anxiety. 
So that is Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear by Kim Brooks. I'm terrified of children. (laughs) I am. I'm like so worried around them. I'm just like, you're small and I don't want to say or do anything that will scare you or, you know. Uh. You know, like, irreparably, you know, scar you for life. You know, you know what, I... Liberty? They are way more scared of you than you are of them. Probably. <laughs> like, like I have a little niece and nephew, and sometimes I'll, like, be driving to their house, and I'll be like, I am wearing a very scary heavy metal t-shirt with blood and guts and death on it. You know, and, like, turn my shirt inside out before I go in the house, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I'm the worst. And they're actually, like, totally resilient and fine, and they're also a lot smarter than I am, so it's like, it's like, it'll be fine. It's all great. So, speaking of small things, my last pick this week, I actually, I just started reading this, and I'm completely obsessed with it already. Um, It's very strange and not for everyone. It's called Underbug, an obsessive tale of termites and technology by Lisa. Oh, the termite one! Yes, Lisa okay. Martinelli. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, just, I love this. I will just say up front, this is not a book for people with entomophobia. <laughs> and also, if you are, have uh, trypophobia, the jacket has little tiny holes in it, like termite bites, so you might want to wait for the paperback. Um, but like I said, I just started it. Um, because it's sort of like about how... She's sort of comparing how termites are nature's most underrated insect and how they're so like humans like more than we realize and also just in general about bugs like in the jacket it's it she explains how uh bugs collectively outweigh human beings 10 to 1 which i had heard before something crazy like that for like every like you know one human Ah, is like 10 pounds of insects or something yeah so I won't talk about that too much. I don't want to move the crawl. But they also consume $40 billion worth of stuff every year. What? Like, they destroy that much stuff. And so she sort of, she's obsessed with bugs, and she talks about the termites and goes to all these different places to learn about what they are, where they come from, what they're doing to get rid of them, um, how they're making them into robots. Like, not them themselves, I don't think. They don't turn them into, like, robo-termites. Um, but they make, like, little robotic termites. And it's just, like I said, just started it, but it's really cool and interesting. So, uh, if this made your skin crawl, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> if not, cool. I love a microhistory. Ah, oh, microhistories are so great. And yeah. I, this one's, like, on my radar, but I don't know. I'm, I might be too squeamish for it. <laughs> Well, I'll let you know. Maybe I'll mail it to you when I'm done, and then you can decide. You Are know. there illustrations and no. photographs and stuff? Not that I have come across so far. Oh, yeah, later on, there's, well, there's, like, little pictures that divide the chapters, but okay. no. Yeah. There's, like, a picture of the one termite, and he's posing at the beach, and his name is Bob, and then there's another one. He's, you know, on a swing set, and his name is George. No. There oh. are no pictures of termites. <laughs> so, I had you going there for a second. <laughs> you did. I am gullible. That is not fair. So, this one is called Underbug, an obsessive tale of termites and technology, and it's by Lisa Marginelli. Nice. Now, MC. I'm going to call you, like, MC Books. Yeah. <laughs> Busted down. What do they put? What do they say for DJ? I don't know. Oh yeah. Please I, tell I, me about oh, your oh next gosh. and final. My pick. <laughs> clubbing days were never. Um, my final pick is. 
Ball Lightning by Shishin Liu. And this came out last week in an English translation by Joel Martinson. It's really almost 15 years old, um, but it's in English now. And it's by the same author as the Three Body Trilogy. Um, did you read that, Liberty? I have not, still. Yeah, it's, it's, I haven't either. Like, series are only something that I can responsibly read while I'm on vacation because it's, it's like a fairy tale curse where I have to start and finish a series without any interruptions of any kind. So, like, I need people to put food in my mouth and I'm probably not going to shower until I'm done with a series. So I haven't had a good opportunity to read the Three Body Trilogy, even though I've really wanted to because I've heard such good things about it. Well, if you want to do it, you know, I can come to your house and feed you and hose you down. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, you know what? That's a very tempting offer because <laughs> I loved this standalone book so much. I feel like I need to read this trilogy immediately. So this is narrated by a young scientist uh, named Dr. Chen, who has dedicated his life to studying the phenomenon of ball lightning. It's an obsession that began when, as a 14-year-old, he watched while this blazing red orb entered his home and wandered around before turning his parents to ash in an explosion that left the rest of the house virtually unharmed. So he's got this very personal connection to ball lightning, but he's still more of a the pursuit of knowledge is an end unto itself kind of guy. But he meets this army major, Lin Yun, who is dangerously enthralled by new concept military weapons like attack bees. And he teams up with her to conduct research because Nobody's going to fund his work unless it has practical applications. And weaponizing ball lightning seems pretty practical in this world where there are rising military tensions between the U.S. and China. Things get super banana pants from there, but in a very hard science fiction kind of way. Like, there's lots of atmospheric physics and fluid mechanics talk and in real life nobody knows what the heck is happening with ball lightning like this is a real thing that you can look up but the book settles on an explanation that is all about quantum mechanics and and despite the hard science fiction or or maybe even because of it it's a very capital R romantic novel. It's it's like the best episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation where like the science was plausible, but the philosophy, the philosophy was riveting and the humanity was both horrifying and lovely. Like it was it was a really really great read. Like the towards the end it does get a little exposition heavy, but in a way that that is like a storyteller sitting down to spin a good yarn and you're just listening. So I really, really recommend you guys check out Ball Lightning by Xixian Liu. And that's it from me. Look, you made it. Woohoo! Congratulations. You got to the end. Yay. So those are 
are new books. What are you going to read next? Uh, I'm going to read... Okay, this is this is a little bit of a cheat. I'm going to read Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, The Story of Little Women and Why It Still Matters by Anne Boyd Ryu. And this book actually comes out this week, too. And it's a nonfiction book. That is, you know, what it says in the title. But I've never read Little Women. So. Oh, me either. So yeah. we're, we're in good company. So I'm, like, reading about Little Women without actually reading Little Women. I wonder, what about you? What have I you wonder, got on the like deck? I've always, like, I kind of wanted to read that even. Like, I feel like I sort of know the story. Like, everyone knows spoiler. Right, just from, like, inhabiting our culture. Yeah. Like, you kind, of, you kind of absorb it, like osmosis. Yeah, like, everyone knows that Beth, you know, becomes a nuclear physicist and moves away. and Exactly. You know, like, it's just sort of like everyone knows that. Like, um, like I feel like I know Little Women, even though I probably couldn't yeah. pass, like, an English exam about it. <laughs> no, me either. <laughs> <laughs> but I know who played all the characters in, like, the Susan Sarandon adaptation, yeah. even though I haven't seen it. <laughs> so, it's crazy. Um, I'm going to finish Underbug for sure and I'm also I've been dabbling in the Edward Gorey biography that Ooh. is coming out on November 6th it's called Born to be Posthumous the Eccentric Life and Mysterious Genius of Edward Gorey that's and, a great title oh it's so great and it's by Mark Derry D-E-R-Y and he Edward Gorey is so great and oh. I feel like he's gonna have a renaissance I feel like this book is gonna Bring a lot of people to his new work, or not his new work, new people to his work, I should say. Um, should if he's really doing, if he's doing new work Halloween, now, that though, would be amazing. What's that? <laughs> they should really release it closer to Halloween, though, don't you think? Well, it's just after, so I think that's pretty okay. close. Yeah, it's I like mean, the week I, after. I, I, Edward Gorey and, and that whole spirit just lives on no matter the time of year. It's true. I still, <laughs> I keep meaning to go to his house. He has a place in Cape Cod, which they've turned into a museum, and, like, the Ernest Hemingway house is full of cats, and oh they're, my des- they're descendants and offspring, because obviously they're not the same cats from when he was alive. That would be amazing. They'd be a million years old uh, now well, it's in cat still years. pretty amazing. Yeah. So, someday I'll, I'll get out there to see that. Um, but and that, then you can retire as its caretaker. That's true. That would be so great. Um, but that is that is all for today. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. And thank you to our sponsors, Google Play. Go to g.co slash play slash all the books to check out an audiobook at $10 off. Um, if you want to find out and enter to win 16 books from the recommended podcast, go to bookriot.com slash recommended three. You can check out the Read Harder Journal at bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. Uh, thank you to Imposter's Lore by Carla Neggers, fi- available now wherever books are sold. And thank you to Bombas, those fabulous socks. You can go to bombas.com slash all the books and get 20% off your first order. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to tell us about all the terrible things you did as a child that kids aren't allowed to do today. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Maria Christina is at Meowie Christina. It's M E O W Y C R I S T I N A. I feel like I put some extra letters in there, but I don't think I did. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Liberty. Uh, if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.